You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is John Rulin, author of Giftology, the art and science of using gifts to cut through the noise, increase referrals, and strengthen retention. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which was named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, which is also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And marketingbookpodcast.com is also where you can send me a message with any comments, suggestions, or recommendations for the show. I love hearing from listeners like you from around the world. I'm also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is marketingbook or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. I respond to every single message I get from listeners, so please introduce yourself. And now, on with the show. Today we have a special holiday episode in store for you as we welcome Santa Claus to the Marketing Book Podcast. Well, no, actually, it's not Santa Claus. We welcome John Rulin to talk about his book, Giftology, the art and science of using gifts to cut through the noise, increase referrals, and strengthen retention. John Rulin is the founder of the Rulin Group, a gift logistics company that helps clients like the Chicago Cubs, Wells Fargo, Caesars Entertainment, Miami Dolphins, and Morgan Stanley execute year-round gifting strategies. John's unique approach to relationships led him to become the number one salesman for a $250 million direct sales company by the time he was 23, and that was out of 1.5 million sales reps. He now speaks widely about strategic gifting and relationship building and helps CEOs and sales teams drive referrals and open doors to elusive decision makers. And interesting fact, John grew up on a 50-acre farm outside of Canton, Ohio. John, congratulations on Giftology, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks for having me, Douglas. This is going to be a blast. So, Canton, Ohio. I've never been there, but it's on the bucket list, mainly because of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course. Please tell me you've been to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've <laughs> okay. done, I, 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 yeah. It's not one of those where you grow up and you're like, never go there. Yeah, I've definitely been there a couple different times. It, right. It's in my backyard. Yeah. And it's so funny how we connected because I knew about your book and thought it would be great for this episode right at this, this holiday time. And I was in the process of you know, tracking you down and sending you an email asking you to consider being a guest. And an email came in from our mutual friend, John Hall, who's the author of Top of Mind, yep. a great book. He was on the podcast. And I happened to look up because it was like, oh, what's this? I, I still hadn't sent yours. And he's, it was an email from John saying, 
you've got to meet this John Ruland guy. You guys, you, you, you really need to meet. And I was like, wow, is Edward Snowden? John Hall's <laughs> serendipitous, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he could see what, what I was typing, so it's actually made me behave myself much better, and my coworkers really appreciate that. But anyway, so we connected, and I appreciate you being here at this time of year. And I have to mention, I've had over 150 interviews, authors. They send their books, and I and I just love it. But no book arrival has had the impact that yours did. <laughs> this book arrived in a package. I pull it out. It's this big black felt box. I thought it was like a set of steak knives or something. And inside the box was a leather bag. And inside that was the book inside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people people do judge a book by its cover as much as people want to say they don't. We We wanted it to be the nicest book anybody had ever seen. And that's usually the the response that we get, which is, it doesn't get old. I, I love hearing people talk about the book. Yeah, well, that tingling means it's working. So I'm going to include pictures of all of that in the show notes at Marketing Book Podcast. So I want to read just a quick excerpt and then get into it because there's so much valuable information, but also information that really kind of surprised me and kind of has me rethinking a lot of things, John. You probably wanted the reader to feel that way too. Yes. <laughs> so here we go. The concept of giftology goes far beyond invoking a warm, fuzzy feeling. There's a life-changing advantage to treating people well and developing an attitude of gratitude. The added bonus comes from seeing it positively impact your business's bottom line. The fundamentals we'll explore in this book are all rooted in that central point. Throughout, we'll use the terms giftology, radical generosity, and strategic gifting interchangeably, recognizing that their subtle differences blend together seamlessly in pursuit of the same end result. So, John, what is giftology? Just, I know it's not fair to ask that, but talk about that and, and radical generosity and strategic gifting, all things I had just, I was not really cognizant of. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, I'd say a lot of leaders, whether you're in Western society or worldwide, everybody, it's very in vogue right now to say that relationships are their most valuable asset. Like relationships are important. It's all about relationship with clients and culture. But there's a big difference between people giving lip service that relationships matter and actually how they engage and show gratitude to those relationships. And and so we see a big disconnect with, with what people say and what people do. They're, they're talking at a Ritz-Carlton level with their words and then delivering at a McDonald's level with their actual what we call artifacts. And so at a core level, we we feel like giftology is really the idea that you know, gratitude can be a competitive advantage in business and how you show gratitude, how you love on people, whether it's your biggest client, whether it's a prospect, whether it's a supplier, the tangible nature of a gift can radically determine how that person responds to you and, and whether or not you grow that client, lose that client, keep that employee, have an employee that's engaged. And so we're really kind of putting meat to the bones of of gratitude being uh, a competitive advantage. Hey, you said that the gift is a symbol of the relationship. Yeah. And when people start to look at what they're actually doing, they're probably not valuing it, and they might actually be spending more than they need to <laughs> because they're not really doing that right. So well, let me ask you, how do you make sure that the person on the receiving end 
of, of giving is clear on the intent of your gift, because I think a lot of people will think of, ooh, gifts, I don't want them thinking I'm, we'll say it's a prospect. I, I don't want them thinking I'm trying to bribe them. And we can get kind of dicey there. Yeah. Yeah, the the intention can be felt. There's no question that people are like, oh, I want to do this. I want to, and you, know, and you can tell they want to manipulate the situation. And there are people that do that. I do think that when you give a gift and there's no strings attached, especially to a client, you give a gift and you say, hey, how about that referral? Or you allude to a deal or something. It feels slimy. But at a core level, I don't care if you're the CEO of a million-dollar company or you're a sales rep or the janitor, we all want to be treated as individuals. Most people walk around feeling underappreciated, not overappreciated. And when you can send something, like it's like you know American Express and you know VIP clubs, like we all like to be treated special. And when you get a gift and it's like, wow, this person knows me, they personalized it to me. I, you know, there's a handwritten note with it that's thoughtful. Yeah, the person on the receiving end. Now, there there are times there is risk involved. I'll tell people all the time, like if you're worried about the one out of a hundred that are going to return the gift or, or think that you're trying to bribe them or whatever else, like gifting may not be for you, but most people don't focus on the other ninety nine that are like, oh my gosh, this is the nicest thing I've ever received, or this is the most thoughtful thing, or people are brought to tears. Like it sounds insane. But when you do gifting at a, at a strategic level, like you do every other part of your business, you know, whether it's marketing or finance or, or strategy, it's amazing the impact that that person receives when you do it right and you do it with the right intentions. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that the overall goal of giftology is to make someone feel special and acknowledged by gifting them with what you call practical luxuries. What is a practical luxury. Yeah, so the the idea is that most people, especially in Western society, like we don't need more stuff. Like we have, like there's books, Essentialism, Greg McDown, and there's like 55 million storage units out there that are filled with crap. So we don't need more stuff. But and the, who's the, the the Japanese woman, Con Marie? What's the book? I've read basically, it. Basically, like how how to get rid of stuff, like the tidying the, it, up. Yeah, yeah, tidying up. I've read, yeah, I've read the I've read the same book, and so we don't need need more stuff, but we all can u- have room for an artifact. So something that's practical, useful. Like people are like, what's the di-? you know, like we just did this great piece with Fast Company, and and the the journalist asked like, is it do I lean more towards novelty and cute or towards practical and useful? And I'm like, always if you're lean one or the one way or the other, like. You know, we can always use more things that are like actual useful. And so the key is, is if you're going to give a mug, don't give the same $10 mug that everybody gives out. Like somebody gave me a mug and they literally like, it was like a three day process to handcraft this thing and took weeks to make. And, and, uh, it was a $500 mug and people are like, Oh my gosh, like $500. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a lot until you look at the bar tab that you picked up for a bunch of people that you didn't even know last night. And the people are going to forget about well, that in 24 hours. Were you following hours. me, uh, John? <laughs> I mean. It was probably John Hall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, people people will spend money on a dinner, trade show, marketing campaign, whatever else. And it's like, oh, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. Like, oh, not a yeah. big deal. And then it comes time to like put in a tangible form. Like, you know, that that person matters. Like, that's really what a gift, like a symbol like if you go back thousands of years, like kings would give other kings like a thousand head of cattle because the relationship like was worth that. And if you go into like Asian countries, like even the way you receive a business card, like 
can show class and show etiquette and show that the other person's respectful and that they matter. Like they understand gifting at a really deep and intimate level in Western society. We think promotional products and swag are gifts and really they're not, they're marketing ploys and you know, you're trying to turn the other person into a billboard. And so a practical luxury is taking something very unsexy, like a mug that most people give out filled with crappy chocolate or whatever else and taking it saying, how can I, you know, People do drink out of mugs like coffee or tea. That's a very useful thing. How can I dial that up? Not one notch, but a hundred notches. And when I give somebody even a $50 mug, they're like, oh my gosh, this is the nicest mug I've ever seen or a knife. Like instead of like giving some koozie or some crappy thing from China, you give somebody a handmade piece of cutlery that has their name engraved into it and something their whole family can use. And now all of a sudden it's an artifact. It's the one thing that they're like, they use daily and they, every time they use it, whether you, they want to or not, they're thinking of you based upon the level of quality and thoughtfulness that you put into that very insignificant item. Mm. So you all are in this uh, gift logistics world and this book was very creative because there were so many ideas that I just wouldn't have thought of and I can't imagine what the secret sauce is you all use to come up with these things. But what what is the bias against strategic gifting in the business world. You must run into that. Oh, for sure. Well, I think that a lot of the people that are making decisions are type A and a lot of, you know, a lot of them are guys that are very linear. And yes, most guys like, you know, how, how good are you at gifting your wife or your significant other? They're like, oh, I suck at that. Well, they, they bring that same like uncomfortableness into the business world. And they're like, oh, that seems like warm, fuzzy, mushy, like feeling sign of weakness. It doesn't make any sense to them. And so like, oh yeah, at the holidays once a year, let's send some wine or some bourbon and call it a day. And so the emotional intelligence of most businesses is very low. And oftentimes it's the leader that is setting the tone for that. And so if they think it doesn't matter, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So there's a lot of people who are like, that's the first thing we cut out of a budget. And I'm like, exactly. Here's why. It's because you send the same crappy gifts all of your competitors do at the same time, the holidays, which ironically enough is the worst time to send a gift. Yes, we're going to talk about that. Oh, it's horrible. And so, yeah, there's a huge, like most people, it's a check the box thing or it's the first thing that gets cut from the budget. But what I love about that is that the 5% of companies that do it and do it really well, they crush their competitors because everybody's looking around and saying, how could you afford to send that level of gift? And really all they're doing is instead of spending money on the same ads or the same trade shows or the same marketing ploys that all of their competitors do, they're just redirecting those resources from the $500 bar tab that nobody remembers from the night before. And they're saying, what if we spent $250 on our most important relationship? So they're actually saving money right. to have 10 times the impact of their competitors. And so there's a huge resistance to it. But when I challenge people and I speak to them, and I don't care if it's you know $90 billion Google or whether it's a million-dollar entrepreneur, they can't argue with the logic because when they start to see and experience and they start to recognize, oh my gosh, I am doing the same thing my competitors do. And I am sending crappy gifts and I am making it all about myself. They're like, oh my gosh, like this would actually, this could be a game changer. Like people use the word game changer all the time. But like it's one of the few things that most people suck really bad at that if you actually just got above average, like would really stand out from the noise. And so when I challenge people with real numbers and real data, they're like, 
holy crap, this could be, this could be big. Like, and then, and then they see the results and they're like, I just landed my biggest client I've ever landed. Or I just got the biggest referral from a client. Like this works. You know, it's interesting. You said it's emotional intelligence because that really does all the things that you try or trying to teach in the book. It's, it's like it's an effort to help companies reveal more of their emotional intelligence. And I tell you what, the, the successful ones are, just coming across as more human. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Like, doesn't matter the industry, doesn't matter. Like, people are like, well, does this work in financial advising or does this work in like medical or food? Or I'm like, it works if there's human beings involved. It doesn't matter if it's a half a million dollar company or a $50 million company or five billion. Like, does it have humans that, that interact with other humans? Then it's going to work because. <laughs> Because we all want to be acknowledged. We all want to be appreciated. We all like love to feel special. We all have significant others and families and assistants. Like everything we talk about is really industry and size agnostic. It has nothing. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it has to do with what you just talked about, which is our humanity. Yeah, I don't know. That all seems too logical and easy, John. I, I think let's, let's – you know, we're humans. Come on. We need to complicate these things. Now, let me change the subject. You are a, a good Christian man. You quote the Bible in the book. But yet, here we are in the Christmas season. Why are you all for killing Christmas, John Rulin? Yeah, yeah. I, what, what's interesting is everything that's in the book has been written about for thousands of years, whether you're a Christian or Muslim. I, the, this is how the world's wired. But one of the reasons we say kill Christmas in the business world. Now, I have three daughters, and they're going to get great gifts. I'm going to go pick one up actually this afternoon. Yeah, when your dad is John Rulin, I can only imagine. You better, you better, <laughs> you better not be the giftology guy that's the Grinch at home. Right. But in, in the business world, I'll, I'll, this year, I'll personally send out um, – it'll be close to $350,000 in gifts to my clients, prospects, interesting people I meet. Like That's my personal budget. And not one gift will be sent out between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And the reason is, is that when you give a gift out of obligation, the other person feels that obligation. Do you send out, it doesn't matter what the gift is. Most people at the holidays, there's the conference tables are ready to collapse from all the crap, the candy, nuts, chocolates. And even if you send this really amazing mug or a knife or a leather bag, it's still cluttered with all the stuff and it felt like an obligatory gift. It's like when you, if you have employees and you give out bonuses every year, they just start to expect it and add it into their salary. You don't get any perk or benefit from it. You really only have a downside if you stop doing it. But when something shows up out of the blue in the middle of March, the other person's like, why did you send this? And it's like, I sent it because of the relationship. I sent it just because. And so I can take the same thousand knives or thousand leather bags. And if I personalize it to the person with a handwritten note, but I send it at an unexpected time and I call it planned randomness in the book, right. all of a sudden the other person that they feel like that maybe I'm the only one that received this gift and wow, I didn't expect this. And it's not tied to a referral, which is ironically enough, the worst time to send a gift after a referral. Now you've made it a transactional relationship, which is the exact opposite of what most people want. And so we're all about this surprise and delight and planned randomness. So zero gifts, and I mean zero gifts between Thanksgiving and Christmas and at expected time. So no birthday gifts, no anniversary gifts, no like five year, like you worked for me for five years. Here's your gift. Give a gift as a result of the the relationship as a just because, and the other person will like, oftentimes they freak out. They're like, "Oh my! Nobody's ever sent me a gift just because they sent it to me at the holidays. They sent it to me because they had to. 
because of the referral, like it freaks people out in a good way. They're like, wow, what a thoughtful person to send me a gift in the middle of April. It's like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about. It's like when you bring flowers home on your, on Valentine's day, like you don't get any bonus points, but if you just pick a random day in the middle of July and show up with flowers for your wife, like she's like, wow, this is amazing. Now the same money that was spent on both sets of flowers and one gets you a hundred brownie points and one gets you nothing. Like I want, I want the hundred brownie points as a business owner. I want to put a dollar in and get $10 out. And so that's why we don't send gifts at Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like buying value stocks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you don't, you know, you don't, you don't want to go where everyone else is, but now let's go back. You said you gave, I think your budget is $350,000 a year. I think in the book you mentioned it was 250,000. So it's gone up, but did any of those gifts have a ruling group logo on them? No. Oh my God. Not no. a single one. Not huh? a single one. Like it's why, why should people, should companies not give gifts with corporate logos on them? Oh, it's the worst. Like would, uh, here's my example is would you ever go to a wedding and you're, you know, the couple's getting married and you're like showing up to this beautiful wedding and you get this like Tiffany's vase and it's compliments of artillery marketing. You imagine giving that out to somebody like at their wedding? Like, no, there's not a person on the planet. Like, even the most tacky people on the planet won't do that in their personal lives, but in business they do it and they call it marketing. Like, oh, we're branding ourselves. Now, the other person who receives that may say thank you, but in their head they're thinking, do they really think I'm going to take that home to my wife or use that or wear that out? Now, they may wear it when you go golfing with you to make you feel good, but in their head they're thinking they're trying to turn me into a billboard and they took whether it was a piece of crap from China or something even really nice. Like I see people deface like you know, Bose headphones and you'll see people over in the corner scratching off the Allstate logo or whatever because they're like <laughs> – I don't, why would I want that? Like, that's the craziest thing on the, like, why would I want to try to brand you? Like a gift by its very nature is recipient focus. My likes, my preferences, my colors, my name, my family name, a promotional item by its very nature is all about the giver. So are you trying to deepen the relationship and create an emotional connection or are you trying to turn them into a billboard? Because they're very different things. And most people in Western society think, oh, I'm going to give these amazing gifts out and I'm going to get branding out of it. And what they're really doing is even if they do wear it psychologically, they're like they don't receive it as a gift. They receive it as a marketing ploy, which completely cancels out all the goodwill and all the energy and emotion that you're trying to convey. So zero logos on any gifts that I give out. And unless there's a few exceptions and the exceptions would be if you're the Cubs and your logo adds value to the product. And even then I'll tell the Cubs, let's put it as small as possible. Let's put it nice and tasteful. Let's do it tone on tone. Cause even the higher up the food chain you go, even when you're the Cubs and you're giving it to let's say seven or eight figure earners, they don't want like a softball size logo on something. They want it tasteful and classy and so there's a few instances if you're Harvard University, people want the logo on it. But even then, like do, do it subtle and classy. And what's interesting is when I send out a gift and it doesn't have my logo on it, but it's world-class and it's personalized and a handwritten note and all these other things, in doing so, it builds reciprocity and they shine the light back on ruling group and giftology. Like I don't have to put my brand on it. Like I tell people all the time, if I gave you a Rolex, would I have to put my logo on it to remind you where it came from? And they're like, no, like 20 years from now, I'd still know where the Rolex came from. I'm like, exactly. Like if you give a world-class gift, they will never, they will never forget where it came from. 
Mm-hmm. Now, just to be clear, if there is anyone from Allstate who has some extra Bose headphones, my address is <laughs> podcast.com. But let's, let's keep going here. Again, another big surprise for me. What are the problems with sending food or alcohol? Yeah, it's, it's the, it's low hanging fruit. Like I, I sometimes think that people shop with their own stomachs. They're like, Oh, I love chocolate. Let's send chocolate. I love wine. Let's send wine or I love steaks. Let's send steak. So they can get a few extras for themselves. But at the end of the day, like when you're sending out food or wine, there's two things that are wrong. One is right now, like, you know, you don't know if somebody's on a diet or if they have like, maybe their kids or their, their spouse, my business partner's wife is, has celiac disease. And so like any amount of wheat or anything, even in the house is a big deal. And so like, it could be a recovering alcoholic, recovering alcoholic. So there's so many ways that you can offend people or you say, I've seen people like send, you know, hams and they didn't realize the person was Jewish or all these different things that can go wrong with food. But even if, even if none of those things were true in any other part of your business, you measure the return on investment. And so like in marketing, you want to like, you want a billboard that's going to be seen by a million people or you want an ad or whatever else you want things to be retweeted. Like you measure the cost per impression. Well, you send a nice bottle of wine, say you spend 50 or hundred dollars on it. You're like, oh, that's amazing. It's only cost 50 bucks and they're going to love it. Well, even if they loved it, it's consumed and down the toilet literally in 24 hours. And so you got one impression for that $50, one impression for that hundred dollars. I give somebody... I spend $100 on a knife or whatever it is. I engrave it. They, they use it every single day for the next 10 years. That's like 3,000 impressions for the same $100. John, you mentioned the idea of the, like, like John Hall's wife and her you know, interest in you and, and, and her awareness of you and how I don't think you've even met her. But if you were to go to Vegas with John Hall, that would be fine with her because she likes you so much. Talk about the inner circle and, and why that strategy is so uh, important. What, what, what does it mean, this inner circle? Yeah, it's one of the, I think one of the top five most important things when you're thinking about gifting to get, you know, to grow your sales and make it strategic. In fact, that, you know, you mentioned the $350,000 in gifts, 80% of that is targeted, not at the executive, the decision maker, the president, the person signing the check that most people send all their gifts to. It's actually the inner circle. And when I define the inner circle, I'm talking about the spouse, talking about the assistant and team. I'm talking about the kids and I'm talking about their pets. People are like, really? You're going to send a gift to somebody's wife or husband or assistant? And I'm like, absolutely. Here's why. Like the executive gets stuff all the time. Like for myself, like when I travel, I get to go first class or stay at nice hotels, golf, Pebble Beach. Like in order to get my attention, even in the categories I love, like bourbon or golf or whatever else, you got to spend a lot of money. Cause I get to golf Pebble beach and crazy stuff that I really, you know, like have no right to do, but I like, it's, it's wonderful. So to get my attention, you have to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars or even more, but guess who gets the worst side of being in business? My spouse, my wife, my kids, my assistant. And so a dollar invested there is like spending a hundred dollars on me. And so when I send out gifts to people, I'm always looking to include the inner circle, the family. If it's like the, like the knives or like when I sent the water bottles, it was something that they could take home and that they became the hero to their kids. And what's interesting is not only do I get the inner circle on my side, but in doing so, I get the executive as well. 
because they love going home and saying, wow, like here's something for you. It's not another golf thing. It's not another bottle of bourbon. It's something that like you can actually use. And so I've seen it work not only to convert clients into salespeople for me, I've seen it to convert prospects, spouses where like people reach out after six months of it and they're like, John, you've turned my, the person I sleep with against me. Like she became your salesperson. All she had, all she wants to know is like, when are you going to go to dinner with John? When are you going to do business with John? When are you going to hang out with John? He's like, I can't even believe it. Like I've been in business 40 years and I've never had anybody like infiltrate my home the way that you have. And I'm like, I started laughing. I'm like, and this happens dozens of times where people, and I'm like, I'm not asking for anything or anything. Like they just come back and like, John, this thing works. Like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe like sending a gift that include the whole family, sending a gift and getting the assistant acknowledged and appreciated. Like our biggest deal with, with an MBA team came as a result of not the CEO who was our client. It became, it was because I treated the assistant to the CEO, the exact, every gift I sent the CEO, I sent the same thing or nicer to the spouse or to the assistant. And she became my internal sales advocate and got all six divisions on board with me. And they started to order. They, she did all the selling for me. I was an order taker at that point because of not the CEO, but because of the assistant. So the inner circle is massively underappreciated. People are like, what? really? You send knives? Like, what the heck does that have to do with business? And I'm like, it has nothing to do with business. It has to do with taking care of the entire family. It's something that most people either eat or entertain or host at their house. I'm looking for things that are not gender specific, but that include the whole family. I'm not, I don't care about like what they do at the office. I care about who they are as a human. And most people have that inner circle and it, uh, it's one of the most underutilized elements of business I see on a consistent basis. So true. And there was another book on the podcast by Stu Hynek called How to Get a Meeting with, with Anyone. And, I'm, I'm buddies with Stu. I love, yeah. Oh, he's, he's and there smart, was a, there smart was a dude. similar thing where he talks about gatekeepers. You know, for most people in sales or something, the gatekeeper is the bane of their existence. And he said, no, no, no. That person is your vice president of access. And so it was, it was a similar reminder. Okay, we've talked about inner circle. Why is the kitchen such a great place? Well, I, I think that most people, when they bring people into their house that are like them, like we're all looking for, you know, most businesses are looking for referrals. And when you think about who you entertain, you entertain like your closest relationships, other executives, people that are like you, and you usually gather and you break bread. I don't care from 2000 years ago, like it hasn't changed from the last supper till now. Like you break bread with your inner circle, your people that you care about, your family, your friends, your colleagues, and to get into the kitchen is a big deal, but it's something that is common amongst human beings. Whether you make $50,000 a year or $5 million a year, Every home has a kitchen. That's where you entertain. And so most people are having dinner conversations or whatever else. And I've had people like from the San Antonio Spurs, they're on Thanksgiving, they're texting me pictures using the water bottles or the knives. And they're thinking about me on Thanksgiving with their family. They're like, they take a snap of selfie, carving the turkey and send it to me. And I'm like, there's no other vendor on the planet that's getting pictures sent to them on Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter bar mitzvahs, first communion, like you name it, I'm getting pictures and so are my clients that are using the gifts. And so the kitchen is one of those like people, when we're doing mass personalized gifts, we're looking for things that are common hot buttons across all of humanity. And eating is one of those things that last time I checked, isn't going out of style anytime soon. So I love anytime I can get a gift to be taken home and put into the kitchen, I know that it's the frequency of use and the cost per impression are going to be insane because it's just one of those common things. Well played, good sir. <laughs> so let's talk about not clients and prospects. 
Let's talk about a company's suppliers, which are extremely important. Is it, yeah. is it a good idea to give them gifts or is it a waste of money because they've got your business anyway? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is I learned this from uh, OC Tanner. They're like an $800 million company out of uh, Salt Lake City. And they're ironically enough, they're in the gifting world and we've been on their you know podcast and they've been become a partner of ours. And, and I remember going out with their like senior vice president of purchasing and he was talking about Rolex, Rolex being one of their like biggest suppliers. And he's like, yeah, when we go out to Rolex, we pay. I'm like, what do you mean? Like you buy like $20 million worth of watches from them. Why are you paying? And he said, John, I, I don't have a business without suppliers. I don't care if it's my insurance supplier, my, my product supplier. Like I treat them like gold because if I'm in a pinch or if I need special pricing or whatever else, like I want them to go the extra mile and I, I need them on my side. But more than anything, just even day to day, like I don't have a business without them. So I treat them like gold. I treat them like the client. So anytime we go out to eat, I buy. When you take Sony out, I buy. I'm like, wow, that's powerful. And I'm like, so we do the same thing for for our clients. I treat my clients like better than most people treat their best clients. So because my suppliers, I don't have a business without them. And because of that, they're like, John, like nobody even says thank you, let alone like, like I should be sending you a gift and you're sending me a nicer gift than I'd ever send you. Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But it it flips the equation. And when you do things, not because you have to, most people send gifts or do things in business because they have to people feel on the other end when you're doing things, not because you have to, but because you want to. Mm-hmm. And that's a powerful transition to start doing things, whether it's gifting or anything else, not because you have to, not because the contract said so you do it because it's the right thing to do. And because you want to do it, you want to treat them right and go above and beyond and make them feel special. And when you start to do that, whether it's for a supplier or for an employee or an assistant or whoever it is, like they feel that on the other end. And most people, um, they want to reciprocate and they, they want to oftentimes they, they take it even a step further than what you took it, which is crazy. Like you, you get into these contests. I have certain friends. It's like, who can out give each other? And like, that's a fun competition to be in. Like, I'm going to one up you with a gift. I'm going to one up you with an experience. I'm going to one up you like, that's a fun for, for at least for me. And and I think the most people that are out there, like that's a life I love living when I'm in competition to see who I can out give. And I'm on the recipient end and on the, the giver end of that. It's, it's powerful. John Hall is one of those guys. Like I'm tr- always trying to out give the dude and he's always freaking out giving me like, it's crazy. He's out giving John Rulin. In, in, yeah, I know it's crazy, but yeah. In Damn, you heard it first yeah. here. <laughs> Marketing book podcast throwdown, cool. Hey, well, wait, let's talk for a minute about money. This is an important point. You know, you said gifting doesn't need to break the bank. Yep. What's the best strategy based on your budget? Yeah. Well, I think that it doesn't matter how big a company you are. Like, it should be based on a real metric, and and one of our metrics is you know, 5% of your net profits. I don't care what your revenues are. I don't care what your gross margin is. I care what your net profits are. So if you're a million dollar company and, you know, you profited a hundred thousand, like 5% is the basic minimum in our book of what the benchmark should be of what you should reinvest back into your relationship. So, you know, if you made a hundred thousand dollars last year as a sales rep or as a business, you should be willing to invest at least $5,000. And people are like, 5%, that's a lot. And I'm like, well, what if they all went away and you lost the other 95%? Like, how would that feel? Like, what would that, would the 5% even matter at the point? Like, no, like I don't want to lose the 95. And I'm like, well, then be willing to reinvest back into your relationships, not just to keep them. That's when most people are like, I'm going to retain them anyway. And I'm like, how many of your clients are growing? 
Like, oh, some of them aren't. I'm like, well, you should be reinvesting back into them to grow them. And the third thing, it doesn't matter the company, you reinvest 5%. Some people with us will do 15%. Like, that's a lot. And I'm like, but you get to keep the other 85%. Like, 15% still a little amount compared to the 85. And like, yeah, that's a good point. And I'm like, but here's the power. Like, you reinvest 15% to keep them, to grow them. But what if you took your top 100 clients, any size company, and they all became salespeople for you? Like, what if they, instead of just saying, I'm a satisfied client or, yeah, I like working with them. I guess they're okay. Yeah, they're solid. They do a solid job. What if they were all raving fans on fire for you? Like, looking for ways to open doors for you. What would that do for your business? Because most people wait for referrals to happen. And I'm like, you're, you're doing it all wrong. You should be proactively loving on people so that they're like, they can't wait to open their mouth and talk about you. And that's where the power comes in. That's how a little Midwest farm boy firm you know, has landed the Cubs and Google and some of the biggest companies in the world is because I have guys like John Hall that are on fire for us. And it's because we're willing to put our money where our mouth is. And whether that's, you know, $50 or $5 or, you know, $5 million, like, I don't care what the numbers are, just base it on a real metric and be willing to be generous with what you have, Mm -hmm. whether that's, does that make sense? Yeah. And, but also let's say you have a budget of 50 bucks, or a yep. hundred bucks or whatever per gift. What you don't want to do, you, you gave an example of a company that did it wrong where they had like a hundred dollars and they gave out hundred dollar watches. <laughs> right. So you want to give the, like the best in class for your budget. Can you explain that concept? Like a, a best, best in class $50 gift would not be a watch. No, no, the best, you know, the best in class $50 gift might be a water bottle. It might be in some cases, you, if you're in an industry like pharmaceutical or an industry, you know, you're dealing with Walmart, like people like to throw out those numbers. I'm like, well, take the nicest piece of paper, the letterhead that you can find and write the nicest letter on it and go and take that and hand deliver it to the person and maybe even take the time. Like statistically, if you read a letter of gratitude to another person, both of your happiness goes up and it costs you you know, even the most expensive letter, let's say it costs you $10. Like I, I think a, a really well-written thoughtful note on the nicest paper on the planet is worth more than a lot of 50 or hundred dollar gifts. Cause a lot of people will take that $50 and say, I don't know what to give. So I'm just going to give Starbucks gift cards or Amazon gift cards, which is the worst. Like it makes our 10 worst gifts list. Like don't do gift cards. Like that's, that's horrible. Like that communicates no thoughtfulness. So $50 directed towards like our business cards. We spend $3 on our business cards and even Google freaks out. Like, how do you spend $3 on your business cards? And I'm like, because I, I, I want everything I do, even the smallest detail, I want it to be remarkable. And so I'd rather spend $3 on a business card than spending $25 on a brochure that's going to end up in the trash can. And so gifting the same way, I'd rather go into a category and give the best in class, you know, like on headphones, people are like, you know, if you can't give a really nice set of headphones, maybe it's the nicest set of earbuds. Or if you can't give a really nice set of earbuds, maybe it's saying instead of the the journals from China that people spend $3 on, you say, I'm going to spend $100 or I'm going to spend $50 on this beautifully handmade leather journal. And then I'm going to take the time to in, in, initial it and monogram. And in the first page of the journal, I'm going to write a really heartfelt note. So it's not the most, it's not who can spend the most money. Mm -hmm. I see people all the time blowing money all over the place and doing these ostentatious things that aren't landing. It's being thoughtful. It's being strategic. It's being best in class in the category. When you put all those, those little details together, I tell people all the time, like Amazon can't beat me because I, I'm going to take the time to personalize the gift. I'm going to take the time to personalize the note. It's not just what's in the box. 
that's only 50% of the gift. It's all the things around it. It's the timing of the gift. It's all of that that determines whether or not it's like, oh my gosh, you're the most thoughtful person on the planet. I want to do, I want to become a salesperson for you to, oh, they, they automated this and checked the box and I'm just part of their automated CRM campaign. Big yeah. difference in how somebody responds and to the exact same gift. People can tell. <laughs> a thousand percent. Yeah. A, th- a thousand percent. So well, you mentioned, we talked about gift cards are bad to give and also things with your corporate logo on them. What are some of the other worst gifts to give? Yeah. So we, uh, we actually created a top 10 list because we get this question a lot and people, I, people tend to avoid pain more than they go towards pleasure. And so some of the other worst gifts, gift cards are bad, consumable. So food and alcohol, which we mentioned are bad. Apparel is bad because, uh, you know, most of the time when people are giving apparel, they either oversize it or undersize it. So you're dealing with that whole issue. They overbrand it or they don't do they don't do it at a quality enough level. So we just tell people like people have enough apparel. They can go buy their own clothes. Like if they like, you know, that some people like to shop at Lululemon or Under Armour or whatever else, just avoid it altogether. The whole size issue. Cash is bad in most cases. It's like, I didn't know what to do. It's kind of like gift cards. Plants are not great. Now, there are instances where it's okay, maybe a funeral or something like that, but really you're going to send like flowers or something that's going to die in a couple of days or a week. It kind of goes back to the cost per impression. Or you could um, be in the marijuana business. Or you could be, now that, that may be, maybe that's one of the plants that could make the top 10 best gifts. Um, but but we, we actually created the, the one pager with not only the gift, but the, the, rec, the, the reasoning behind why it's the worst gift. And so for your tribe, for your audience, if they go to giftologybook.com uh, slash marketing, they can download the, the top 10 worst gifts to avoid. So it's a free download. They can go check it out and uh, at least take it back to their marketing team and say, hey, can we at least avoid these things? Like even if they don't want to hire a ruling group or hire a gifting firm, if you could just stay away from like the worst ones, a lot of times people like the benchmark is so low that it's not that hard to stand out in the gifting realm by just avoiding some of the the gift cards and that kind of stuff. Well said. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I'm a little bit embarrassed when I read the book. <laughs> I, I think maybe I haven't been doing it just right, but you know, live and learn. Yeah. What books have inspired your working career, John? Uh, I love Tim Sanders' book, Love is a Killer App. That's one of the first I read. Um, I'm a huge John Maxwell guy. His, his was actually the first business book I ever read, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And I would say most recently in the last few years, I quote him in Giftology, and that's Adam Grant's book, Give and Take. That was a huge, that was a huge one for me. Mm, great. We'll make sure to include links to all those at marketingbookpodcast.com. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? That's a great question. I I would say that right now I'm I'm reading based upon where I grew up in the Midwest here, uh, Hillbilly Elegy. Have oh, you ever? Yeah. I have that uh, and I haven't read it. My mother-in-law gave me a copy. I, of that. I just I just started that book and my wife had read it and she's like, John, you if you want to understand, you know, some of my family and some of my relatives and some of where where I came from, like you got to read this book. And I think even for me, like growing up in rural Ohio, it's it's um it's a pretty powerful. At least what she shared with me. I, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to dive into the book. You know what? There is another author who's been on this show, and he grew up on a farm, and he recommended that book. Isn't that funny? Really? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just a, just a coincidence, but he, there was another one he mentioned, Deer Hunting with Jesus or something that really gave, <laughs> gave I think that was the name of the book. It was some insight into you know, what 
a certain sliver of American society. So how best can listeners learn more about you and your book? Yeah, well, I'd say that, uh, I mean, they can go to Amazon, obviously, and go buy it and check it out. It's on Audible and all that. I would say specifically. Does everybody get it in the leather bag with the box or does Amazon just send a? They just send the hardcover. We don't. We, yeah, we only have hardcover available. Like we've we've uh, we've actually eliminated the paperback. I feel like. Oh, that's an interesting strategic decision. Yeah, we got rid of the paperback completely, and and because uh, I feel like people do judge a book by its cover. And and I will say that anytime I personally send out a book to somebody, people are like, oh, do you only have like five of those books? You know, that are in the box and whatever else. And I'm like, well, we made fifty of them originally and sent them out to you know, the Seth Godin's of the world and Gary Vaynerchuk's and the response was so insane that I was like, that became, so now we order them a thousand at a time and they're, they're crazy expensive. But to me, it's like out of the 30,000 books that are published, I think every week on Amazon, I want my book, you know, when somebody buys it or when I send it to somebody, I want them to skip all the other books and mine jumps to the front of the line. And so it kind of follows our principle of going, you know, what's the most I can do. And, uh, and so, yeah, uh, eventually we may switch over to where all of them, even from Amazon are shipped in the, the pretty box and the, in the leather bag and whatever else. But for now, even on Amazon, it is the hardcover that you got is, uh, is shipped out. Terrific. So, and giftologybook.com is a good place to go to find out more about this. And there's some videos and things. We'll have links to all that in your episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. The name of the book is Giftology, the art and science of using gifts to cut through the noise, increase referrals, and strengthen retention. The author is John Rulin. John, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks for having me, Douglas. This has been fun. And that closes the book on episode 154 of the Marketing Book Podcast. Links to everything linkable in the interview you just listened to are at marketingbookpodcast.com. And that's also where you can sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And if you have any feedback on or suggestions to improve the show, or perhaps if I can make a book recommendation, I would love to hear from you. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave me a message or tweet at me. My Twitter handle is marketingbook or do what lots of listeners do and connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. And please join us next time as we welcome Phil M. Jones to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his book, Exactly What to Say, The Magic Words for Influence and Impact. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Is that any better? Yeah, yeah. Usually that does a trick. It doesn't happen very often, but it's obviously John Hall is clearly listening in on this and, you know, (laughs) with his friend Edward Snowden. (laughs) 